Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Writing to Get Business podcast, where you'll get tips to expand your writing skills. Every week, you'll hear tips and strategies to support your writing. Pat Iyer is your show hostess, a ghostwriter, editor, and author who has written 48 books. Sit back, relax, and listen. Here's your hostess, Pat Iyer. This is Pat Iyer with Writing to Get Business, and I am so pleased today to bring you Linda Sterling, who is the founder and publisher at the Publishing Circle. Linda's company helps authors become published, uses a unique model to encourage and support the people who bring their books to Linda's company. Linda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. And for those of you who are watching this on our YouTube channel, Linda is surrounded by books. She has told me in a separate conversation There's so many books that her company has published that they are outside of the camera range, but we can see a healthy assortment of books behind her at the moment. It it makes me happy to be surrounded by all my author's books. (laughs) I, I really love that. I know the feeling. I have been editing books for people and I've been ordering copies of each book as they come on the market. And I just got one yesterday, a 42 chapter textbook that I edited. And I told my husband, I want to make a big stack of them and take pictures of all of them laid out because there's such a sense of accomplishment when you're an author seeing your book, when you're an editor, and when you're a publisher, all three of us entities are interested in seeing that thing come to fruition. Absolutely. Yeah. So you know exactly what I feel (laughs) with all the books around me. (laughs) I do. I do. There's a special feeling of picking up your book. There's a special smell. Authors don't often talk about opening up that box and that smell of paper is something that you've created. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It never gets old. (laughs) Well, let's talk about the state of the publishing world today. We know that It has changed dramatically from the time when most of us were thinking of publishing as being the traditional publishers, and then vanity publishers came on board, and then self-publishing or independent publishing blew up the water and changed the whole model. Now you have many choices if you are an author. What should you be considering when it comes to selecting a publisher? Okay, so it's going to depend on whether you're looking at one of the larger publishers or um, a smaller, mid-sized to small publisher. But for, for everyone, there's seven core areas. Now, my company doesn't Uh, follow any of the scenarios that I'm going to list. And there's a handful of other publishers who don't either. 
but it's up to the author to be informed. So the first of the seven things that I think people should be aware of is the amount of time to publish. If you're with a big publisher, if your manuscript is already flawless, it's been edited, everything is ready to go, it's still going to take about a year before your book will be in print. The other thing, and I think this is a big one, is the royalties for a new author, unless you're a, you know, a movie star or have some other claim to fame, you are only going to make between three to maybe 5% royalties on your book. On top of that, to get into the bigger publishers, you need to have an agent. So a literary agent is going to take 15%. Then what I have uh, as uh, number four on my list of questions that an author should be asking is, when do you pay? Um, the, all the big publishers and a number of other ones as well will only pay once a year. And not only that, but you never see the figures. So you, you need to just be aware of that and ask those questions. And then uh, another one that I think very few authors are aware of is they need to have the marketing plan. Even approaching an agent, an agent is not going to spend much time with you unless they know what your marketing plan is as an author. The, uh, the big publishers, depending on, again, who you are, if it's somebody who's in the top 3% of their authors, they are going to do some marketing for those authors, but otherwise they want you to have that plan. So you, you have to come up with one and it has to be exceptionally good. Um, so one part of that would be, they usually want you to have at least 100,000 uh, followers, people that you can directly email. So that doesn't mean you combine your LinkedIn contacts and Facebook and whatnot, you could actually direct mail 100,000 people. So that might be one part of a marketing plan that they would expect. Another thing is with um, a lot of publishers, you don't have any uh, decision-making abilities. You don't share in those decisions. They make all the decisions for you. Um, your cover, your title, if they want things changed in the interior of the book, then they usually will do that. And the, the seventh one on my list is most publishers own the copyright. And copyright term is your lifetime plus 70 years. So those are the quick seven that I think people should uh, be aware of. And if, if you as an author um, don't ask those questions, then you could really be hurting yourself. So you want to um, not, be, not be awed by the fact that you're talking with a publisher, you're talking with another human being and you need to ask those questions. And I'd like to pull apart a, a couple of those points that you shared, Linda, and you, and you shared a lot in that answer. <laughs> I appreciate that. You mentioned that it could take a year for that book to see the light of day once you've turned it in. What takes so long? Well, 
there's a number of factors um, and it, 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 one of the things too is it depends where you are in the pipeline. So if there's some other authors who come in that have a track record of selling books, then they're going to, the publishing companies are going to put their, um, their editors and their, you know, their other people, put their focus on them. If you as a newer writer or an author who hasn't sold very many books come in, in, you know, a lower place in that hierarchy, you get pushed to the back of the line as often as needed. That's one of the biggest things. Um, sometimes too, if the, the editor that's working on your book, and I use the term editor lightly because there's not a lot of editing going on anymore, but if they decide that they want something changed in the book, that can go back and forth for months. And so there's just all kinds of variables on that. Um, but you should be prepared as, as an author for, with the knowledge that it can take at least a year. My entry into publishing was in the 1980s and I worked with, with several traditional publishing companies before I switched over and started independently publishing my books. Mm -hmm. I was amazed by the amount of time it took <clears throat> for the, the copy editing and the line editing to be done. I started in this process when people had blue pencils and red pencils and manually corrected printed pages, and then ultimately compressed down to, to, to being able to edit on the computer. Mm -hmm. I also realized that sometimes books would be held for a season, like the publishers were getting several books together to release their catalog of new offerings back when they mailed catalogs, of course, and some mm -hmm. still mail catalogs, but I think that's fading as a method of marketing. In terms of marketing, what has been your experience with what a traditional publisher will do for marketing a book versus what an author needs to do? And I know you touched on that. I think it's a common misperception that the marketer, the marketing is going to be done by the publisher and all the author has to do is to sit back and wait for the royalty checks. So could you comment on that a little bit? Absolutely. So with the, the bigger and actually a lot of the mid-size publishers, they are not going to do marketing beyond providing an image of your book and a little description in the material that goes out, usually by email, to bookstore buyers. Um, they, they may run an ad in Publishers Weekly. Um, again, I question the real value of that because Publishers Weekly, um, if you've ever gotten a copy of it, uh, there's so many books to choose from. And there's only so many um, buyers out there. So I don't think that there's a whole lot of value in that, frankly. Usually with the bigger publishers, um, it will be 
because the interest has been generated in some other way. And that's through the author. So the author has, um, maybe they've got a huge following on LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever, and they're talking things up. And so then individuals are going to bookstores and asking if they can buy the book or going to libraries. Libraries, people think uh, libraries don't equal book sales. Actually, libraries are one of the best ways to sell your book. Uh, so usually the, the, the publisher's role is pretty small. As, as a, an author, whether you're self-published or not, you want to do everything you can to make your book be visible. Um, an example, one of the authors that um, I work with, he is a cook. So he is constantly talking with um, usually big hotels that have a, a nice venue. And he'll say, hey, you know, bring your, uh, your top 20 people that you want to impress. I will cook for them. I'll do all the cooking. The only condition is that you make my book available. That those people go out and talk about his book. He sold a lot of books that way. So there's all kinds of um, non-conventional things that you can do. You don't have to have a huge list to do those things. And, and even getting on local um, television, radio, um, anywhere that you can talk up your book, those are the things that you want to do, whether or not you are with a publisher um, or self-publishing. Now, if you are with a publisher, you have to be careful in that you can't directly sell the books. So that's a little bit of a handicap, but you can at least provide the link to where the publisher has your book available. So it's, it sounds like to be attractive to a publisher, you have to be very clear in your capabilities of marketing your book once they accept that onto their list. Are some other things or what are some other things that a writer can do in making themselves attractive to a publisher so that they're willing to take on their title? Well, the, the first thing that you, you want to do is you want to have a stellar manuscript. I, as a publisher, I will get material that I swear they've, they haven't even read their own work a second time. It, it's full of things that spell check could get. And you, you need to the foremost thing you need to do is you need to submit clean writing. I would encourage writers to, um, at the very minimum, send their manuscript through ProWriting Aid, um, probably through an early editor. If it's clean, you have a better chance of securing a publisher. The, another thing is you need to know your genre. You need to, in your, your approach, be able to talk about, oh, this, my book fits here because of X. These are the similar authors, you know, one, two, three, four, five. 
know your genre and know how you fit in that genre and, and what makes you distinctly different at the same time. So be, be prepared to answer those kinds of questions. You make me think, Linda, about a book that I read that was independently published. And what I found to my horror was that she had repeated a section of her chapter. She had copied and pasted it so it, it appeared word for word twice. You're nodding your head like maybe you've seen this. I had <laughs> never seen that before. You know, and, and it, it screamed to me. I need an editor. There were, it wandered, there were recipes in the book. It was a, a story about something that had happened in her life. I don't want to give too many details because I don't want anyone to recognize the book I'm talking about. But it made me feel bad because she was so proud of her book. And when I read it, I had my editing hat on and I thought, no, this could be so much better if she had spent a little bit of time having somebody else, even if that person was an editor, having another person read it with a critical eye. You know, I heartily endorse, as you do, the skills of an editor. Somebody who had read that book, even a friend, would have said, hey, do you know that you've got in chapter one this section and then it appears again later in the chapter? Mm-hmm. Those kinds of things are so easy for another person to see. But, and I'm sure you've encountered this, Linda. There's almost like a blindness or a loss of objectivity that an author develops that, that hides things like that from them, particularly if they're not detail-oriented people. Absolutely. And as a writer myself, I don't edit my own work. I know that I'm blind to some of my own flaws. So I hire an editor and I recommend that everyone does. Um, It does help to set your work aside for a period of time, at least a week, um, ideally a couple or three weeks, and then go back and review. So there's little tricks that you can use to make sure that that your manuscript is as polished as you can make it. Um, But then I do recommend if you're you're going, especially for a large publisher, I recommend hiring an editor in advance. One of the things that a lot of people aren't aware of, Pat, is um, there aren't very many editors in the big publishing companies anymore. Work has to be pretty close to perfect and you don't have a shot if your work is um, shoddy in any way. You you really have to have just superbly written material to have a shot at the bigger editors. But there there's more than that too. Um, if your writing is really droll, um, you have to be aware of that. That's not something you can usually pick up on yourself. So you need someone else. Um, to um, advise you on that. Um, submission guidelines. If you don't follow submission guidelines, you're out. Um, and then another thing that, that I um, run into occasionally is people will approach you and they, they think that you know, they want you to be their publisher, but then they don't have all their material ready. 
it's, you, you can't acquire a book based on one chapter, especially from a brand new author. So I, I encourage people to really have all their material written before they um, approach a publisher. Now, I know that um, with nonfiction, you can get by with an outline and some uh, some summaries of chapters, but at least have that amount done. Don't approach a publisher and then say, oh, I'll have it to you in a month or <laughs> six months or whatever it might be. Be prepared. You know, that's a topic that's come up in the National Speakers Association Authors Group, which I co-host. We had a publisher as a guest last month, and the question came up, should you write a book proposal with that sample chapter before you write the book, or should you write the book first and then approach a publisher? What's your take on what you would prefer? I would say that it depends where you are, <clears throat> excuse me, in your writing journey. If you've done a lot of other writing, maybe you've written for magazines, um, television writing, you know, whatever kind of writing that you've done and you've been successful at that, you can probably get away with just the, uh, the, the basics that they require. If you're a brand new writer and you have not uh, written uh, uh, professionally at all before, I would encourage you to write the whole thing. Mm hmm Let's switch now from the traditional publisher or the, the hybrid publisher, although we haven't used that term. And maybe first we should define hybrid and then talk about um, the independent publishing piece of this. Can you describe the hybrid model as our transition? Okay. Uh, hybrid you're going to get a little bit different description from every hybrid publisher out there. <laughs> so a hybrid publisher um, can do a number of things differently. They may get your book out faster. They may have better royalties. They may um, not, like in my case, I, I don't require the author to do the marketing. I do all paid advertising. So it, it really is going to depend on who you're talking with. But that, again, is why as an author, you need to be asking those questions, you know, back and forth. If you don't understand anything, ask again. Um, uh, payment times is another one. The, a lot of the hybrid authors or <laughs> hybrid uh, publishers, rather, will, will pay at, at least um, every six months. So I, I pay every month. So it just depends on who you're talking with. Mm -hmm. And um, hybrid just means it's a publisher who's decided to do things in their own way, the way that feels best for them and their, their authors. And could you differentiate for us the difference between a hybrid publisher and a vanity publisher? Yes. So a vanity publisher is going to accept any kind of book. Um, that's, that's the number one thing. And there's, um, there are sites, I actually list one on my 
website, Writer Beware, where you can find out about some of these. And unfortunately, some of the vanity publishers are subsidiaries of some well-known big name publishers. So you have to be really careful. Um, the vanity publisher is going to ask for money up front. Then they're going to continually ask for money. So it, it might be, um, oh, you know, we're going to create a fantastic cover for your book. But if you'd like us to uh, get someone to write an endorsement on the front cover, that's another couple thousand dollars. Oh, and by the way, if you'd like a publicity package, we have a great publicity package for you. And it's $5,000. And they will hammer at you week after week for adding in the uh, whatever funds they can get you to cough up. The other thing is your book, uh, and they will claim that it will be in bookstores the bookstores don't buy from these people. So your, your book isn't going to be visible. Um, I sometimes as a hybrid publisher get lumped into the vanity because I do charge a fee, but I charge that fee because I do ongoing marketing for the lifetime of the book. That's another thing that a lot of publishers won't do is they'll promote for a little while. And, and I'm talking about the, um, the hybrid publishers, they'll promote for a little while. And if the book doesn't take off right away, they're done with that book. And I think books should go on forever and ever. So I don't do it that way. I noticed that was true as well with the traditional publisher that I was involved with a couple of years ago. There were a lot of um, interviews and um, podcasts and requests for columns in the first three months after that book was released, and then it completely evaporated after that. Now, if we talk about independent publishing, which uh, used to be called self-publishing, many people still refer to it that way, what can you do to enhance the potential for your book to be successful? Well, the first thing that I would encourage um, writers to do is make sure that there's a market for the book. Uh, if, if you think your book is so unique, it may be because there really isn't a market for it. So check out existing books. Know that there are buyers for the kind of book that you have. The, the next thing that you want to do as a self-published author is you want to make sure that your cover really fits the genre. I, and unless you have a background in, in producing book covers, not a background as an artist, you should have a professional cover done. Um, and I, I add that caveat of not just a professional artist, because there are things to do with book covers that artists just aren't aware of. And especially when it comes time to formatting the, the cover, you need to have an expert for that. Um, the, the next thing that I would say, and it's something that I know you and I agree on, is hire the best editor that you can afford. You really want to make sure that your content is well edited and both from um, a line editing standpoint and from a developmental editing standpoint so that the copy is 
tight and flows well and is appealing to the reader. Then uh, the next thing is write a fantastic book description. Your book description and your cover are what's going to sell your book. So make sure you've put some thought into that book description. And then the, the final one I would add to uh, that question, Pat, would be, I recommend that people publish wide. A lot of people only publish on Amazon and your books can get taken down. There's, uh, I know a number of authors who have just had their career stopped because Amazon found something that they didn't like. They took their book down and, you know, they, those authors weren't selling their books anywhere else. And I, I think that uh, uh, all your eggs in one basket kind of thing is not a, a good plan for authors. What other platforms would you recommend that they use? Um, <clears throat> I've got a handful. Um, Google now has a, a pretty nice platform. It used to be that you had to apply and all and go through all of that. Of course, that's for eBooks. Um, Kobo is, um, and you go to Kobo Writing Life to submit your book there. Um, Draft to Digital is a good spot. Um, Publish Drive. There's there's a number of good ones. Um, you always, always, always want to have your book listed at Ingram. So one of the things about Ingram is Ingram is going to distribute to uh, libraries and bookstores and places like Costco, um, all of those uh, places that Amazon does not distribute to, although Amazon claims and you have to be really wary of this when you're getting ready to list your book there. They claim that they will distribute to libraries. Libraries do not buy their books there. Other bookstores do not buy their books from Amazon. So Ingram, if you do nothing else, Ingram is essential. That's great to know, Linda. And can you spell Kobo? It's real simple, just K-O-B-O. <laughs> and and um, you need to make sure if you're listing your books that you go to Kobo Writing Life. We have run out of time. I still have more questions. I know that people who are watching this on our YouTube channel or listening to this on the audio platforms We'll have questions of you, Linda. What is the best way that they can connect with you? Well, I'd love to answer any questions. They can um, either reach me through my email, Linda at thepublishingcircle.com, or go to my website. It's just uh, thepublishingcircle.com. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing your expertise. I have a feeling that we could have talked for hours on this topic. There's so much mystery, confusion, misinformation associated with publishing options, publishing routes, and a lot of people who are exploring these opportunities. The focus of our podcast is on helping people use a book as a tool to open up new opportunities. First, you have to have that critical step in place. And Linda, you've shared with us some of the pathways to getting that book into print and into people's hands. 
Well, thanks so much for having me. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to share some of the things that I think uh, authors need to be aware of. And if they do go to my website, there's a freebie there that talks about all of the different publishing options and they can, they can get even more information. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much. Be sure for you who is listening to this or watching it on our YouTube channel, come back next week for a new topic, new guest, new show, and tell a couple of other people about Writing to Get Business podcast. We want to be a tool to help you as you are on your publishing journey. Once you've written your first book, you'll be writing more books. And that has been the a common theme for, I think, everybody I know who's written a book, it gets you over that hump, that from that not having written a book to the first one, and then it opens up your creativity and you see new ways and new topics that you can cover in your book. Thank you so much and appreciate you paying attention to this program. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check out Pat Iyer's resources for writers at writingtogetbusiness.com. That is W-R-I-T-I-N-G-T-O-G-E-T-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S dot com. Coaches, consultants, and entrepreneurs work with Pat so they can get more business by writing and sharing their expertise. Check out Pat's resources on writingtogetbusiness.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.